0: Good morning, my name is Pastor Paul Nitz. I'm a former missionary. I was a missionary for 27 years in Malawi, Africa. And for the last two years, I've been serving as a counselor for all world missions for Wells. So I'm here today to share a story, share a sermon and message and a story from the Bible that's focused on missionary work, especially world missionary work, and uh, happy to be here with you today. The story I'm going to tell is from Acts chapter 13, and I'll tell you that story, and then we'll share a message, unlike maybe a traditional sermon where they read a text, I'll tell you that story from Acts chapter 13. Before we get into it, there's going to be a few place names, and I want to give you context there. So there's going to be a a name, Antioch, the city of Antioch. If you picture the east side of the Mediterranean having that swooping uh, coastline, and at the bottom is Israel, or at the side here at the bottom is Egypt. Way in the north, before you turn to Turkey, is Antioch. Another name you'll hear is Seleucia. That was just a, a city at the port of uh, near Antioch, if you're going to go to the Mediterranean. Then there's the island of Cyprus. Still today, there's an island of Cyprus. It's about 120 miles long. It's a huge island. And on that island, you have a port city of Salamis on the east side and another, the capital in ancient times, Paphos on the west, west side. So listen now to this story from Acts chapter 13. We could say the title of the story is how God sent out the first missionaries. And as you listen, think about ahead to the message I'll share, a theme there is power and purpose, purpose and power. We're going to take parallels from this story about purpose and power. So now the story of how God sent out the first missionaries. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas and Lucius from Cyrene, Simon called Niger, and there was Manan who had grown up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. They were worshiping and fasting, As they did this, the Holy Spirit came to them and said, set apart Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed more, they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them on their way. Then the Holy Spirit directed Barnabas and Saul and they went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, landing at Salamis. There at Salamis and throughout the island, they went around to the Jewish synagogues preaching the word of the Lord. And they traveled west a hundred mile walk until they got to Paphos. And at Paphos, they met Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus was a Jewish false prophet and sorcerer, he was also the attendant of the roman proconsul sergius paulus now sergius paulus was an intelligent man and he wanted to hear more about the word of god from saul and barnabas and he called them to him to hear more but bar jesus whose name was also called Elimus, the sorcerer opposed them trying to turn the proconsul from the faith then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked directly at Elimus and said, You are full of deceit and trickery, son of the devil. When will you stop perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now the hand of the Lord will be against you, and for a time you will not be able to see, not even the light of the sun. Mist and darkness suddenly came over Elymas, and he groped around looking for someone to lead him by the hand. And the proconsul, when he saw this, believed because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is the story of how God first sent out missionaries. Now, brothers and sisters, let's draw some parallels about power and purpose from this story. If you want a really big alliterated uh, theme for this sermon or message, it's power and purpose, parallels from Paphos for our corporate and personal Christian life. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to draw parallels from this story about Paphos for two different things, our corporate. Christian life. That's what we do as a church or as a group of churches and also for our personal Christian life. Let's start with that corporate view. Now, to set the stage, Antioch, what was that? It was a church and it was one of the most thriving churches. This is where believers in Christ were first called Christians. And at that church, you have this eclectic group of leaders, prophets and teachers we named them, there was Barnabas and Simon and Lucius and Manaan and Saul, all from different areas. Probably they had come from this diaspora that had happened because of a persecution in Jerusalem. I think that was God's design. Fifteen or more years before, Jesus had left his disciples and ascended into heaven. But before he left, he said, Stay in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then with that power, you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happened. First, the gospel spread in Judea. Organically, it spread to the nearby Samaria. And then God sent a persecution to Jerusalem that scattered the gospel to Cyrene, Libya today, to Cyprus, where Barnabas actually came from, to uh, Tarsus, where Paul, Saul came from, and other places like Antioch. So here you have these prophets and teachers. Prophets, they're just the same as preachers, except for some of their message came directly from the Holy Spirit, and teachers of the word. They're worshiping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because he had a purpose for that church. He doesn't want that church in this peace time after the persecution to be insular and just take care of its own, make sure everybody's well fed and take care of everything inside. No, he wants that gospel to go out. He wants that gospel to burst out towards others. And so he comes in and interferes and says, set apart two people send them off. Two, two two-fifths of their leadership set up, set apart. And I'm sure that church at Antioch supported them with their prayers and with their money to help with that missionary journey. They go to Salamis at first, the port city, and they go first to Jewish synagogues. These are people who are religious. People who already have part of the truth, but not the whole truth. They have the Old Testament. But they needed to also hear how the Messiah had come. They travel across the island, a hundred mile walk, and they get to Paphos. And here the amazing thing happens they have a chance to evangelize to a Roman proconsul. That is a big thing. There were only 11 of them. If you were in the Roman Empire, you probably knew the name Sergius Paulus. This was a, an area where they didn't have to have a lot of Roman troops because the rule was established. So this was like a governor of that area, the whole Cyprus. He wasn't Jewish, but had religious people nearby him, didn't he? He he had as an attendant Bar Jesus, this Jewish sorcerer and prophet. And he was searching, intelligent, looking for the truth. He calls Paul, Saul, and Barnabas. It's at this time, by the way, that Saul's name gets changed to Paul. And some people, we think it's because that famous Paul was converted by Saul, and the two names are close. Saul and Barnabas preach the word to, or try to preach the word to Sergius Paulus, and Bar Jesus gets in the way. And here you see the power. When the gospel is opposed, what does God do? In this case, he comes in with his powerful Holy Spirit and does two things. He does a miracle striking elements blind and he does a miracle giving Sergius Paulus faith. What are the parallels with today, with us? There are so many. We too send people out. We as a Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod band together our resources and we say, we're not just gonna take care of our own. We have a purpose wider than just this to survive. We want to send people out. I can give you the example from my life. I graduated from the seminary. I expected to go to some church like in Ohio or something. Instead they said, no, you. We're going to set you apart and send you to Malawi, Africa. Another parallel, well, I was called, Paul and Barnabas were called. Another parallel, they had difficult travel. I had difficult travel. I never had to walk 100 miles, but uh, I had a lot of difficult travel. Cross-cultural communication, same. And opposition, we had opposition, still do today. I even had a, I mean, it's pretty much the same word, sorcerer or or witch doctor. I had one in my house opposing me. The good news at the end of that story was that he was converted and died a Christian. I had other opposition and what happened in those times? The Holy Spirit, God's power came in and gave us the victory. So many, so many parallels between that first missionary journey and what we do today. And that's only appropriate, isn't it? Because that is our purpose. It's not to be selfish and self-centered. It's to throw that gospel out. We do it organically in our neighborhood, around us. We do it sometimes because of persecution. It happened in America. People came here because of persecution in Europe. And sometimes we say, it's God's will. Let's figure out where we need to go. Let's figure out who's going to go, and let's send them off together. That is part of our purpose together, our corporate life, our corporate Christian life together. What about parallels for our personal life? What sort of parallels can we find there? Corporately? We have this powerful expansion that we do together. But personally, where are the parallels? I think one way that we can take this story and find meaning for our lives is to look at the big picture. Look at the big picture in your life. Don't think that this this life, these things we see, our bodies, the the shoes we wear, the, the life we lead, the physical, temporal things are insignificant because they are a part of the whole eternal significance that we have and purpose that God has for us. Think about this, if Paul and Barnabas had not literally walked the 100 miles, Sergius wouldn't have heard the gospel. This is real, physical, temporal. Cyprus is really there. This is a real thing, a physical thing. Sergius Paulus really was a historical figure. We have inscriptions in stone that say, L. Sergius Paulus, proconsul. This is real, and in your life, in your real physical, temporal, daily life, you have eternal significance. God has given you a purpose, whatever it is mother, father, employer, employee, wife, child retiree it doesn't matter what it is today you're going to go out of here and you have stuff to do you have things that god has put in your path and as you lead that life a life of a life of tolerating this suffering of this life with grace a life of serving one another with love that has eternal significance We don't hear stories about all the Christians back at Antioch, do we? But there were battles going on there. We hear about the big spiritual battle, the the missionary journey to Cyprus, and the battle with Bar-Jesus, but there were battles going on there too, and there's battles in our lives. And in that life that you have, you not only have purpose, you have power the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't doubt it. I'll give you evidence. Each one of you are here today listening to the word. That does not come from Satan. Each one of you have been converted. You were changed from dead to living by God's power. I often think of in that relation to, uh, to Jesus calling Lazarus from the dead, you know he's at the tomb Lazarus come out Lazarus is dead how can he hear he has dead ears how can he hear he can't Jesus words gave Lazarus life and he came out and in the same way the Holy Spirit gave you spiritual life not only to convert to go from dead to alive but also to live and there again is proof if you have done good in your life that wasn't you Because by nature, we can't. We're incapable of doing true, true good. We're capable of doing good that looks good. But good that's truly other-serving, not self-serving. Sacrificial love. True love like what Christ's love is. That God does in you. And he allows. And he works that in you. And every time he does, say, yep. That's the Holy Spirit, I have power. Give you examples when there's opposition in your life, when you're opposed, your faith is opposed, then what happens? Maybe you react badly, I know I have, but I also know there's been times when I've reacted in a way against my normal character. My normal personality is if you attack me, I will attack back hard. That's my natural reaction. But there have been times I've been attacked for my faith, and I didn't attack back because I wanted that person to feel comfortable. I wanted that person to be drawn in. I didn't want him to be repelled by me and my Christianity. That was not me. I guarantee that was not me. That was the Holy Spirit. Other people, when they're attacked, they withdraw, right? or they feel like they're victims or something like that. If you have seen or if you have been the person to stand up bravely and courageously for the faith when under attack, when your nature is to withdraw that, you just saw Elmas go blind. That is the power of the Holy Spirit in you. There's your proof. You have purpose and power. We have purpose and power corporately we have purpose and power individually in our, in our lives. We are not weak. We are not useless without purpose. We have it all in Christ. Now, as you step out of church today, and as you step back into your life, whether it's together or individually, step out with purpose and power, knowing that the Lord is with you. Amen. Amen. I'll close with uh, the peace of God, but in Chichewa, I think you know the rest of it. The peace of God. Amen. Thank you.